It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we are going beyond today, one step beyond. Uh, while while the strikes are continuing, we're having a look at a, a slightly different show, a analogous, analogous, contemporary one to the Twilight Zone, one step beyond. This is Matt here, joining me from the Mission Log Prodigy Podcast. Ms. Charlene Schmidt, hi. Hi. Thanks for jumping in again. Uh, of course. I, I, do have to, I do have to ask about your shirt. Is that a melting skull brain? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if the viewers can see that, but I can uh, send you a link. If you want to put it in the show notes, you can buy it. It's a ah. very multicolored melting skull. Perfect for spooky season. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're just gonna, coming up on there. There was something Halloween. Oh, I ate a Halloween donuts. That's, that's what it was. Okay. Nice. I knew there was some Halloween somewhere in there recently. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking of making a Halloween soap, but most of the soap I make is Trek inspired. So I was thinking maybe I could do something inspired by the episode Cat's Paw because that is like the Halloween episode. But I don't know, man. I think I need to go in a different direction. I'm still thinking on it, which I better hurry because... We're halfway through September when we're recording this. Yeah, I think that's one of the Cat's Paw is one of the few episodes I've I've never actually made it through. So, oh no, kidding! <laughs> There's like two or three that I've never made it through, and that's one of them. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I quite like that one. You'll have to give it another chance sometime. You never know; you might like it this time. Or yeah, not. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's always those couple like totally trash episodes that like you just love, you know? Um, oh, totally. We've all got them. Yeah. <laughs> So that's not not one of mine for better or for worse, but hey, could be yours. So yeah, that is now, all right. So far, um, I, I don't. This show is not one that I think is in the uh, you know pop culture language. One step beyond. Uh, most people are like, hey, I didn't hear about it till you invited me to the podcast. Which if if it's different, that's cool. But uh, don't feel bad if that's your 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 stance. <laughs> that's exactly my story. Plus, I had no idea this show existed. I didn't even know it was Twilight Zone adjacent nothing about it whatsoever and now that i've watched an episode i'm fascinated i would be willing to watch more yeah i mean i i've, I've said on some episodes of this i basically learned about it when amazon was like you may also like this so uh hmm. one 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 point for amazon today one. it's a, just one yeah it's emergency only i keep wanting to say emergencies only but i guess there's only one emergency in this so and that's what the <laughs> that's what the label says so emergency only um i guess i'll go ahead and do a bit of trivia on this all right cool original air date was february 3rd 1959 as with all one step beyond episodes this was directed by our presenter john newland our regular trio of collier young lawrence p b marcus and show creator merwin gerard scripted uh i have done trivia about them before so you can go to an earlier one if you want to hear that 
Arthur right. Douglas was played by Lynn McCarthy. He also appeared in four episodes of The Fugitive, as well as a spot on the notorious nuclear TV movie Parable The Day After, which is supposed to I, I was I think I was four years old when that came out. But, uh, you know, people a little older were properly scarred by it, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's actually like, yes, disturbing, but also very well done. I've not it, watched it. It is. I, I've watched it. I mean, it does have it feels like a early 80s tv movie with with a little bit of a budget like it's somewhere between you know tv schlock and and a proper feature film so it's not quite to that level but it's kind of long too yeah but uh it's it's worth watching at least once uh and then i think the 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 even more disturbing british one is called threads or something uh which has come up a few times nice our psychic here, Aaron Larrabee, was played by Jocelyn Brando. If the name sounds familiar, she was, in fact, Marlon Brando's older sister. Uh, she hey. also showed up in I films wondered. like, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't catch on until uh, I was starting to do the trivia. So <laughs> I didn't notice in the credits. Let's say that. Um, she also showed up in films like The Big Heat and Mommy Dearest. Finally, the alluring unnamed passenger was played by Paula Raymond. She got some traction as a genre leading lady in films like Hand of Death and Devil's Doorway. So, you know, B grade leading lady. But hey, if you're a leading lady. All right. (laughs) Though a major 1962 car crash threw her career off track. She did recover, gained a baker's dozen of TV guest spots and lived for another 40 years. So, um, oh, wow. I, I guess got past that that bugaboo a bit. Bugaboo a bit. And that's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Interesting stuff. I've got a prologue for you. If you could give that a quick read, please. All right. Yes, I can. Like, oh, thousands of other people in Manhattan, Jim and Betty Hennessy are giving a cocktail party. Now, all those other parties will end with people falling in love with each other, with people getting sore at each other, with hangovers, and with plenty of work for the maid. But this one, oh boy, this one. What a party. Okay. I guess the party is <laughs> just the first five minutes, but... uh, uh Yeah, do you apparently want to... a pooper of a party, according to the hosts. Yeah, don't... don't I, I, feats of psychic skill at parties is maybe not the best the best parlor trick i don't know <laughs> you know like they were asking for it don't you think like hey they were just kind of egging ellen on like hey do the psychic thing do the party trick come on and she's just like i i can't turn it on at will i have to be ready so she was like i noticed she kind of stared off into the distance wasn't completely there but then all of a sudden boom back in and she's like okay i'll do it now yeah yeah i i do wonder how often she does it or what the vibe is. I don't know. I, I feel like if I'm going to come across a psychic, I don't think I'd want to hear about the future. I'm not, I'm not so interested in, um, you know, like telltelling or whatever. Right. Well, and as this episode illustrates context is very important. Of course. Yeah. I, I did get properly thrown by the, the actual twist here. So I, I guess I've been Same watching here. too many twilight zones where it does end dark but then this show is supposed to be based on real life events so i guess someone has to be there to tell the story um (laughs) so can you presume a happy ending for most of these episodes is that the shtick no one we just did one where a woman dies a a horrible death with a ghost while everyone is watching her so she oh wow that sounds terrible there's just there's lots of witnesses that's all (laughs) okay okay 
<laughs> well, this one ended up happy, which was a twist because maybe we're just far too cynical in our day and age, but a happy ending is not expected. No. Yeah, this one, I guess, is kind of fun for all the uh, weird synchronicities. And I guess it's just the um, the the psychic's demeanor, you know, like, again, it's context. She's saying it like she's, you know, doesn't want to be saying all of these horrible things that are going to happen where if it was like, hey, yeah, just when you see this bullet, you know, that might have been a little. <laughs> that might have been a little bit better. Sure. And the, could have had the same result with far less terror for Douglas, although we would have missed that really good acting watching the character of Douglas as things go from trying to keep it cool to absolutely just insanity. I mean, I guess he does literally walk into it somewhat, you know, because he's like, well, I'm flying. Why would it be a train? Oh, now I'm taking a train. Hmm, maybe right? things are looking a little weird here. Why not just, uh, I don't know, they're in New York. That they, they What did they say there? Somewhere. Idlewild, that's near Coney Island. Go ride the Cyclone. See if you fly off right. of that instead. Eden Nathan's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Does that have an emergency release in case it gets too intense? Oh, Nathan's probably should. Yeah, those hot dogs. <laughs> can, you don't know what they're going to do to your system. <laughs> yeah, why was it so important to get to Chicago at that moment? I wonder. And I, of course, I started thinking about planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, this is pretty much, of course, uh, less psychics in that movie, but kind of the plot of that in a weird way. So, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like anything that can go wrong will mentality. Right, right. So, um, I don't know. Sometimes you should just stop. I guess is the point, especially if you. Well, what would you do? You've just had a creepy uh, prediction, and now things are that key starting to turn a little bit. Uh, I hate to admit it, but I'd probably be a little bit like Douglas in this whole thing where I'm, I don't know. I, th I guess I'm pretty skeptical when people say that they're psychics. I don't know. I've never actually known a psychic, never had a psychic reading or anything like that. I don't know if it's real, but if I started seeing one too many things in succession happening that somebody were to foretell me, like, in this party here, okay, maybe I would be a little freaked out. Like holding on to rationality would get harder the more it happened. Yeah, it's kind of like the boots on the ground situation. Like, you know, when you watch a, a, a game show and someone does something completely stupid and you're like, why would you possibly do that? You know? <laughs> right. And then you go on the game show and you do even worse. And it's because that there's a lot of pressure being up there. You have no idea until you're in that moment how hard it is. My my favorite was uh, Wheel of Fortune. I, I think this is a notorious 90s one where it was like um, blank space out Rushmore. So they guessed count Rushmore. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But then again, you're, you're on camera. Maybe you got a little stage fright. You're flipping out a little bit. You're, you're totally technically competing. So, you know, it comes out weird. Yeah. I think it was some weird French count or something. So. Yeah, I mean, it could be, right? It's I, something I would, in the Carpathian Mountains that you've maybe vaguely heard about sometime in grade school. You, you just, you can second guess yourself so easily in those kind of moments. I was uh, listening to a recent podcast and watched a few clips of the, the 90s show. Uh, Le I think it's Legends of the Lost Temple, the, uh, oh, the game uh -huh. show, the Nickelodeon one. And you watch yeah. that and you're like, why are these kids so stupid? Well, because they're uh, you're they're running through this weird temple thing, and people are jumping at them, and 
no, they can't put together the monkey at the end because they're, you know, their adrenaline's too high. So it happens. Right. Yeah. And also you wouldn't have a story if they were smart enough to figure it out right away. No, him riding the cyclone would probably, well, it could be a different story. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I heard my back on the cyclone once. That was fun. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So there is a potential for danger is what you're saying. Yeah, or at least some uh, muscle pain for sure. <laughs> mm. You know, yeah, this whole story might have had a very different ending, but maybe even worse. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Oh, one thing I did like was getting our 1959 shots of a Grand Central station. You know, uh, this is right around the time North by Northwest, stuff like that. So uh -huh. and, and, and the whole I don't know if you've seen that movie, but the whole train journey had a bit of that by meeting a meeting a, a mysterious lady on a train, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, sure. No, I haven't seen that movie, but it's kind of a trope, isn't it? Like, it sort of yeah. exists in other stuff too. It, it, it does, but maybe it's because of the design things being late fifties, you know, like wearing a suit on the train, that sort of thing. Cause if you watch the modern yeah. movie, it, it would have a very different vibe. So um. that's, yeah, that's very true. Nobody's dressing up to travel. No way. Cause the States, I guess the States has a few like tourist trains. Yeah. It's not nearly as many as you, you're going to find elsewhere, but yes, they do exist. Yeah, because I, I in Japan there's just a like rolling past my house probably during this podcast is going to be like a a day train. It's a three car thing. One's a super nice dining train. One's like kind of for the family, and I don't remember what the one in between is because uh, I don't ride it that often because I'm usually going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so why would you be taking a tourist train, or is is it just kind of a multi use? Is it something tourists take as well as people who are commuting or something like that? you got to pay extra you wouldn't commute on this train it's it's definitely gotcha. for the course but it runs on the same line as the normal trains and uh gotcha okay you'll, you'll, you'll get things like uh you know like not here but some ours is kind of the the local samurai clan themed right because uh this town's big for the sonata uh clan uh, in japanese history that's one of the big families that got knocked out when uh the the country kind of unified somewhat um but yeah, you can go take a Pokemon train too, something like that. There's, there's. Oh, that's I think there's, cool. Yeah, uh, for kids, there's Ampaman. Ampaman is a superhero whose head is made out of a red bean bun. Uh, all the kids in Japan love him, and you can ride his train if you want. So, <laughs> awesome! If I were a kid, I would love that. Of course, I'd go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, trains are not exciting here the way they are in Japan. It sounds like. I mean, we have commuter trains in Los Angeles. You know, you can take the. Metro light rail, and then there's the Metrolink lines, but that's mostly for people who really just need to get to and fro, you know, into downtown to go to work and then come back home. Right. And I, I mean, that's my, that's my day-to-day -day train. It's not that exciting. So, um, <laughs> but it, I, one thing I did like in this episode is kind of how, you know, he gets it slightly too late, you know, when he's already on the moving train, like maybe I, I should have like, maybe not stepped all the way into this. So that that was a nice creepy vibe of it, you know? Totally. Um, that was very well executed. And this guy had so many chances to walk away. Did he not? Yeah. He, and or he could even, you know, Willoughby and jump off the tramp. He's worried too much. I mean, I guess he's got to save right. a bunch of lives ultimately. So he, he is where he needs to be. Which... Sure. He just doesn't know that until after the fact. But like, I was especially thinking with the conductor, here's your sign to get the heck out of there. 
and do something else. Do anything but what you're about to do. If you don't want to go down this road, this is your chance. The universe is telling you this is not meant to be. And then what does he do? He keeps on going. Just sort of like how the unnamed lady in her travel suit keeps going after Douglas. Like, why? This is not a good situation. He is not a winner. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you pursuing this guy? Get out of there. Yeah, see, in North by Northwest, uh, there's, well, there there was... (laughs) I guess I won't spoiler a 70 year old movie, but there's a, more of a reason she's pursuing the guy right We're here. She, yeah. She's like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when the vibes are wrong, maybe don't, don't jump on into it. But- yeah. And they totally just absolutely are. I can see him, why he would come on strong, knowing what he knows that he's going to meet this lovely dark haired lady, but she doesn't know that. And yet she, like, for especially the small amount of time these two have known each other, it's been nothing but awkward and suspicious. So I don't know. If I were a single female traveling on a train and some creeper keeps running into me, I'm getting the heck out of there. Yeah, my I'm not doing is, it. My note is why is she in, so insistent for an obvious psycho? So maybe she's got some problems, <laughs> you know, and like this is like. Uh, like attracts like here. I don't know. We we honestly didn't get to know them well enough. Although the point I was about to go out, I guess could apply to her too. If if we did want to somehow justify her um her behavior, because I was sitting here wondering, um, does Arthur Douglas have free will? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a good question at this point, because now is it a self fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, because this episode sort of suggests, no, he does not have free will. He's locked into this regardless. So, okay, question. At what point does he lock himself into it? Like, was he damned from the beginning? Or is it with each certain step, does he cross a line to where this is going to happen no matter what he does at this point? Well, it depends on how powerful the psychic prediction is. And not as a do you believe it or not in the real world, but... In the context of the show, you know, how definitive is a psychic prophecy? Because this one sort of suggests like it's been made. You see the psychic lady completely fl- uh, flip out about it. Right. So she knows the power of what she's doing. So that says to me, there is no free will in this episode. <laughs> OK, yeah, I kind of I, I do have to agree with that take where she does seem to be a very powerful psychic and if she really is foretelling the future then that's the future yeah i mean i i I do have a pair of tarot cards that were in my backpack for a while and i bored at work uh you know we're like doing doing the the, the, i was like doing the deck for for one of my coworkers, and you know i don't know i'm looking at the little white paper that comes with it oh this seems to mean that but i gave him a really bad prediction and then he proceeded to have a really bad year so Right. You know, that would be, I, I don't know. I think that would not be a great sign for your friendship going forward. <laughs> you remember that bad tarot reading you gave me? You suck. I'm having a horrible year. You were right. Yeah, that, that could be the case. I don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, that, that just came across as weird, but. Uh, <laughs> well, to here's me, a question for you is I, I, the show definitely brings up the whole idea of like the supernatural and, things that can't always be explained and do you believe in it or don't you what is your stance on this um see that's what i'm saying the narrative here it does seem like 
free will is there at the same time what i really like is the whole synchronicity vibe because if you're looking for little signs in the universe you tend to find them especially if you're you are looking for them you know even something just you see something that makes you think hey i think i'll turn left instead of turning right because you just saw something or someone says something to you i mean i mean it's kind of like having a conversation with the universe um whereas this episode would make it seem more like something that happens to you so right yeah, this episode is trying to convince you that this is absolutely real. Although I do like the whole vibe of maybe it's just real enough to where it could be real. You know, it's not like Twilight Zone where you know you're watching a piece of fiction. It's a story. This or this show, it seems like, wants you to open your mind to the more unexplainable. It kind of reminded me, strangely, of Unsolved Mysteries. Did you ever watch it? Um, a, a lot of it, although I don't have the firmest memories because it's one of those things where you saw a lot of it and was just on in the background. Which, yeah, oh, I on remember a re- it because... on a recent <laughs> podcast I did suggest that it's actually deeper in your subconscious that way, where you weren't like watching it directly because we were talking oh, about it... Ducktales. No. I never sat down and watched Ducktales, but I saw a lot of it, like just kind of <laughs> in the side, and and, and it's like I know everything about it. But yeah, but uh, sorry, uh, I was interrupting your point there. No, that's okay. Unsolved Mysteries terrified me at the ripe old age of six, I think, when it premiered in the late 80s. And I, I was not supposed to watch the show. And it went, it came on at like 9 p.m. And I was supposed to go to bed at 10 p.m. So I would watch Unsolved Mysteries and then have nightmares <laughs> because <laughs> I had just been watching a thing about murder and I'm six years old. Hello. But that show also like it incorporated true crime, but also with certain supernatural things. Like they talk about UFOs and they would talk about psychics and ghosts and stuff like that. It was an interesting hodgepodge between the two. Like nothing had ever quite been like that. A lot of it, like the true crime was just strictly true crime. There was like America's Most Wanted and stuff like that. But UFOs were kind of their own little weirdo thing until Robert Stack started talking about it. And I guess that is the late 80s, early 90s version of the show. In that case, there's a, you know, it's like a whole lot more presenting. Robert Stack's like narrating and stuff, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, and, and then it's just little vignettes. You know, it's not like like a narrative work like this one. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, just to bash a pun over the head, that puts us, uh, you know, shows only one step beyond unsolved mysteries in that case so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just it does seem like a little bit of a predecessor i don't know if there was any influence whatsoever but i see it i do wonder especially now that i I guess peak tv is probably officially passed now but i feel like maybe to people like right here and now we don't want to see so much of the um the real life thing we want to see the like show run puzzle box seasons thought out show more Mm -hmm. because we don't get that anymore yeah so if you're like a real life thing it's like well i expect that there's gonna be lots of twists and turns and you're gonna surprise me a a few times um like like spoilers like someone coming into this show the tv guide probably tells you the end you know (laughs) in 1959 the tv guide because i i remember for star trek day someone posted the uh, original a description for the man trap which just tells you the entire plot um, <laughs> yeah they like promos and whatnot they really were more specific back in the day they were going to tell you exactly what you were going to watch and then 
I don't know. When did it happen where more of the intrigue came in? Like, oh, you're going to be so wowed with this movie. I'm going to, well, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Star Trek 2 would get that on the cinematic end, I think, because uh -huh. those had the spoilery things. Um, as far as TV, I might say about Twin Peaks. Seems about okay, the time yeah. when people All did right. not want to know what was happening in the next episode or in the one that, you know, they did not want to be, that's when people didn't want to be spoiled anymore. Again, film promos from the 60s and 70s also sit there and tell you the entire plot. Maybe right, even have that's like a few job. money shots of the climax, you know, because <laughs> it's what they do. Yeah, entirely. I mean, there's a certain degree. It's I'm weird. Like there is stuff I would like to prefer not to be spoiled on. And I'll I'll do I'll do the media blackout thing if there's a few days before I can get to something. At the same time, I, I don't get enraged by a spoiler. And occasionally I go looking for them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the, the film podcast I do, Films and Filth, we had to do like two four hour movies in like the same month. Ooh. Right. Yikes. And I actually just went and read the entire plot summaries before I started the movies, just so I didn't have to like figure out what was going on while I was, you know, watching these insanely long movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four hours. Oh man, that's a long freaking time. So I fully like, I, I to be honest, it was more like three forty-five, but uh, you know, it's, it's long. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I pretty much like fully spoilered myself like intentionally just, yeah. <laughs> and that was probably, I mean, I'm guessing it was helpful. Yeah. 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 Just help me, you know, like get through it and assess it better. Right. It's like, I don't need to right, be spoiled. I need to be able to talk about this from a, a critical point of view or something. So, right. Like you don't have to necessarily be figuring out the plot points, you know, them, and then that can help you go to that deeper analysis you need to get to so that you can watch it once for your four hours and then <laughs> and get there without having to go over it, over it and over it and over it again. So maybe that's where the psychic did need to be a little bit intentionally vague because, you know, uh, Douglas does not want to be spoiled. He's one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he was just enjoying the thrill of it. Like, oh, OK, you're psychic. Sure. Tell me. Tell me. And then she goes, I mean, what she sees and what she says, it's it's awful and terrifying. And it's just like, oh, she's just a crazy lady. Jeez. And then he gets to have an unspoiled adventure. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets to be creeped out. And you know what? It's it's all right. He ended up probably marrying that lady with the dark hair, just as Ellen said. And it's all good now. <laughs> That's where the context comes in, though. Like, Ellen, just she had only some information. She had what she had, but not everything to give him the clear picture. It's like, she has a knife. Oh, she's a surgeon. Oh, <laughs> she didn't get that part. The snake ring. I like how he flips out the snake ring. Uh, yeah. I just assumed that was an Indiana Jones thing, you know, but. <laughs> oh, I figured it was just like a oh, satanic demon. Probably a Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a really cool looking item, though. Very large. I don't doesn't look practical. Yeah. So I, I guess it looks you know, heavy. Yeah, I mean, you can't like function what function your hand with that on, you know. But I did right? like how there's kind of a dark vibe through the whole episode. But the, the in the end, it's like no, it's more of an up with people vibe that that you're getting. So. <laughs> happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah, Everything yeah. is okay. Weird things happen for a reason and save lives. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that in the least. I was fully expecting 
it, this guy to just be fully damned and he was going to make some sort of fatal mistake that ultimately one proved the psychic correct, but also just his own something, some quality, maybe his stupidity or his uh, lack of thinking in the moment, something was going to totally just screw him over. <laughs> and you know what? It was sort of refreshing that that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, I actually got thrown by the twist because I was looking too much for, for something weird and dark to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I fully thought that's where this might be going, but then it's also a little too obvious looking back. Oh yeah, but that's kind of what makes it better. That's a twist. It's <laughs> yeah, too obvious yeah, exactly. and you didn't get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, oh man, fell for it, man. Also at the very end, I love what seems like in our day and age, like the clickbait preview for the next episode. I think you'll be shocked by what develops. <laughs> it's like, you won't believe what we're going to do in the next episode. You got to watch it. Well, if it's last week's The Sacred Mushroom, people might not believe what they're going to do where they go down to Mexico <laughs> and do shrooms. <laughs> Will they remember it? That's another question. Uh, that's actually considered to be the most remembered episode of this uh, Oh, is it really? The series. <laughs> I was just making a drug joke. <laughs> no, no. No, I, I, I got that too. But I thought I'd uh, take that for a little tangle. Oh, oh how you, funny. You did, I'm looking at my notes here. You did luck out a little bit in that you actually got to watch a good print. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of these yeah. episodes are a little rough, but uh, for people that are following along and maybe have watched a few ones that you know sque you got to squeeze your eyes a bit to watch. Um, this one, this one looks good on YouTube, so you can find a nice. Yeah, print. it was looks not bad at all. Yeah, so far, uh, I think we've been two good prints and four questionable prints for our, our one step beyond run. So, but you know, you go traveling through fifties television, that's what happens, right? Right. <laughs> I imagine it's a vast grab bag and you get what you get because otherwise you, you don't have it at all. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I do have my question slightly rephrased. The first being okay. who in this episode takes that one step beyond <laughs> the person who takes that step one step beyond. Yeah. Uh, it, it's gotta be Douglas for getting completely freaked out. Yeah. He's the obvious one. I mean, this episode's laser focused on him so yeah but also uh, i think you could say ellen the psychic goes a step beyond too for tapping into her visions or whatever you want to call them well she's a supernatural element although apparently she does this all the time so that's just her her thing um <laughs> apparently she's known for it right because i mean she is like a person too and then she does that like weird channeling stuff so that's you know like yeah. someone else so i, I mean maybe <laughs> she's just living that step beyond permanently you know so it's possible maybe yes her step beyond is actually stepping into our reality yeah 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 so she's already one step back from beyond sure <laughs> <laughs> good for her well there was a later sequel to this show called the next step beyond so i guess the idea is oh, was it really yeah <laughs> now when did that air I want to say the late 60s, early 70s. Um, okay. I haven't seen any. I just know it exists. I, I, oh, okay. Okay. I'm not even sure how available or not available it is. But I, I think the the main writer and our director presenter do return for it. So. Okay, yeah. cool. Good so it's to on, know. It's, it's on brand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how about the uh, I want the lady on the train? I'm, her name is... She doesn't oh, no, get she a doesn't, name, does she? She doesn't. No, in my trivia, I wrote that alluring unnamed passenger. Um, <laughs> alluring <laughs> passenger is her name. 
yeah, luring passenger. Um, <laughs> do, would you say she took a step beyond? She definitely um, survives a almost train wreck, which is, uh, you know, at least a close call. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she went a step beyond. I say she took an unnecessary leap of faith with Douglas. Oh, following this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she went beyond. I mean, she could have been reading her own synchronicities of some different kind because she's following a man who seems unhinged. So true, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something was definitely going on with her, but what exactly? Hard to pinpoint. Does Douglas deserve his trip beyond his step? <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, yeah. <laughs> One, he was completely insistent on getting to Chicago one way or the other. If he can't fly, he's going to take this train and all the pieces start to fall into place. He 1000% deserved what he got. He deserved to be spooked, but he also deserved to save all those people and he did deserve a happy ending. So, you know, I'm sure many years from now, he and his wife, they laughed about it and how the weird way they met and it's okay. They're okay after a while. Granted, now we're assuming that happens because the psychic yes. says it, but the episode ends with the train being stopped, right? So we're yeah. just assuming she's right about that as well because she was right about the first thing. Um. <laughs> I mean, she's been right about so many other things that I'm willing to believe her. How about that? Yeah, yeah, in the in the context of this episode, for, for sure. But Yeah. Now, again, where is the missing information here, Ellen? What are you not telling people about this relationship? <laughs> I mean, because there's probably a, more to it. Yeah, I mean, this could turn like to an Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton sort of relationship for all we know, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, we need the follow up. We need the sequel. We need to know how they're doing. It could be the worst thing to happen to them for all we know. <laughs> it's entirely possible. And yet that's omitted. So, yeah. OK, maybe it's not a happy ending, but it did happen. <laughs> um. Where do you want to put this on the tripometer? Zero is not trippy at all. Five is extremely trippy. Uh, hmm. Oh, this is tough. Okay. You know what's fun is I hope you get a bunch of feedback where people are all over the map on where they they fit they fit on this scale. I'm gonna go for a solid three and a half. Okay. It's a fun uh, ride. You're going a little higher than me. I, I was thinking a three. Uh, okay. Me thinking it's a bit like a two point five of basic. Um, basic psychic trippiness right uh, yeah and pretty an, and average another, and another half point because i actually got thrown by the twist so <laughs> yeah yeah i think what really sells me for it is the acting like i genuinely believe this guy's terror it's so good yeah i have been noticing that the show uh not maybe doesn't quite have the star power of the twilight zone as far as the guests but it's drawing from the same pool and we do get some people i mean i, I think yeah cool. we had like elizabeth montgomery we, we, we got big sister you know we got big sister brando at least so and, and there's a few others that do have a few people you recognize so um, nice I, I guess that's something to be said for the uh the acting pool of, of burbank in the late 50s early 60s <laughs> yeah yeah not bad guys good for them <laughs> um uh, did you have any other big observations you want to draw out on this one hmm let's see i think we covered the big stuff i did notice like the fact that they reuse the set pieces in a nice way 
to where you can't really notice it. Like the hallway, the cabins are exactly the same and they justify that because they're on a train. Why wouldn't they be the same? But it's just like, you know, they're doing the show on a budget and they're finding a way to make it work in a very seamless way. I just appreciated that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The production realities of the time are definitely, I mean, it's it's weird when we watch things from late 50s and we're like, well, it's kind of cheap, but it's kind of like charming cheap. Whereas if you see it now, you see it <laughs> in a modern show and you're like, what are they doing? You know, right. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Why does this look so terrible? Um, oh, speaking of 1950s sensibilities, I did notice that any person of color on the program was in some sort of a servant role. Yes, we have we have the um I, I guess a maid at the beginning and that's that's it really. Mm -hmm. And uh I mean that is one of the things where Twilight Zone you might say it's too little, but it does have a couple of African American based episodes. I think there's at least two in the series where mm -hmm. and and putting you know doing that in nineteen sixty TV is not common. right. Like so. this is a reflection of those times and when you haven't visited the 1950s TV in a little while, it, I mean, I, I definitely noticed it like, wow, okay, things have changed. Definitely. I mean, I guess an interesting thing about One Step Beyond is it's kind of lacking that progressive edge a little bit for the most part. I mean, no, it's very 1950s. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, it's trippy. It's supernatural. So you do lump it in with a Twilight Zone, but it doesn't quite have that forward movement uh when we did yeah. death watts the de the one with elizabeth montgomery is called the death watts and we were talking about there i mean there, we found several problems in the prologue for that let's say <laughs> <laughs> like when they're place setting it's it's old west and they're taught you know that there's the savages out there which are the, the first nation right. folks and you never even see them on screen and you know they're going out and having hunting parties from, and, and that's not even what the episode's really about so uh Sure. You know, it's like the Civil War, and it's just like, eh, this is kind of a weird hodgepodge. So the this week's this week's prologue was written fine. The only thing I didn't like on that was one people getting sore. There was one repeated word I didn't like. I, I can't find it now, but uh, yeah, because I have to. I, unlike the Twilight Zone, I can't cut and paste. I have to transcribe the prologues. They're not online. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I pay a little more attention to them because I have to do that. But, right. Uh, you got to copy it. Sure. I, I would I would say that the prologues are generally one cut below a, a, a Serling prologue. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as stylistic like Twilight Zone definitely has its vibe with the prologue. And Rod Serling has his approach for how he's going to deliver it. And maybe this host does, too. It's just yeah, it's not quite up to that bar. No. Well, John Newland's much more comfortable on screen and his voice is much more, you know, standard, you know, good diction or whatever. Right. We're sure. sure like, yeah. I, th I think part of the thing is he didn't want to be on screen. He's kind of nervous and he speaks weird. So it's like, you know, he, it's a, 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 a white dude in a suit, but there's like this weird, weird, like phasing out of reality feel because of those things. He doesn't seem quite <laughs> right. And that makes mm. him a completely iconic narrator. We're technically, I guess this guy would be like, you know, in, in the conventional sense of the word better, but he doesn't more have conversational the, doesn't have the special sauce. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good observation. <laughs> um, I guess we'll roll this one in, into port for today. I, well, I should have said that for the navigator a few weeks ago, but uh, yeah, let's, 
what's what's going on in in your sphere on the internet i know i know prodigy is still kind of a, a fit and start I, although you did just have a new episode yeah we did release the panel that we got to do at star trek las vegas in august and we had Dan and Kevin Hageman with us. And then Aaron Waltke just hauled from his flight. <laughs> Once he landed, he went straight to the convention, got registered and joined us on our stage, which was amazing. Talked with them about their careers. And because the rules are so weird, they were able to talk a bit about Prodigy and its future. We do discuss some of that. And it it was a fantastic time. They are such wonderful, awesome, cool people to talk to and uh, just even not even during the panel afterward later i ran into them at the bar talked for a little more and they're just wonderful love it love it love it so we're still waiting to hear though about star trek prodigy's future where it might go when we might get season two i have a feeling we will it's just a matter of where and when and so we're kind of waiting on that in the meantime because of the strike we can't do a whole lot of talking about the show for Prodigy. <laughs> the panel was one thing at the convention and Michelle Hurd made sure that we could do convention stuff and people were not going to get in trouble because she's on the board to help make that thing happen. The rest of the time, we can't do product reviews. We're, <laughs> we're not dead in the water, but we're just in a wait and see mode. So when you do see something drop in our feed, that means something big has happened, but you probably already know that by the time you see it. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just kind of curious because I have no legal thing to be doing this. I'm just doing it because a lot of friends and guests are. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but is it because, because Walkie's a writer and a producer and the Hagermans are basically producers. I mean, they've written some too. So yeah, that's kind of a. Well, and the weird dynamic is animation. (laughs) Mm. And it is a show right now without a home, which I think does add another dimension but it's like we kind of followed our set of rules and they followed their set of rules. And thankfully, that was compatible. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, it's nice. I don't have a set of rules, but we're, we're still trying to, you know, kind of like roll with the tide. And hey, it's an interesting detour. Um, I, You know, I got a message. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to when you guys get back to Twilight Zone. I'm like, oh, I am, too. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? In the meantime, this was a fascinating show to watch. It was a good time. Yeah, like I said, like no one seems to know of its existence. So I, I, I think right? Earl Green did. I think he mentioned he, he had heard of it. But uh... oh, of course, Earl knew. <laughs> Earl knows everything. And speaking of which, speaking of like other things that we can talk about is genealogy, where they're going into Gene Roddenberry's earliest work before Star Trek, um, and that's that's going into the Mission Log feed, but will eventually become its own podcast if and when Mission Log is able to come back. It's so good. You guys, if you're into this kind of stuff, you need to be listening to that show, too. Yeah, I listened to the first one. It's, a, it's a, I mean, this is obviously fully focused on stuff Roddenberry did. But yeah, just kind of that different. Like, you don't really realize how different a different. How different the 50s era of television is, even especially yeah. behind the scenes, you know? Right. And what's really great is they do give some historical context. They kind of help you put your mind there. What's going on at the time? What's going on in the news and around the the setting of the show? That sort of a thing. They talk a little bit about the production of the show, too, and what tidbits they can get out of that. It's, it's different than, say, like the scripts that I was reading in the 90s when I was studying that sort of thing. Yeah, and I I I'm I don't envy the uh we're reading scripts because the few times I've tried to read this ooh no, 
they're pretty messy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even yeah. Shakespeare, I mean, people hate reading it because you're not supposed to read it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be performed. Isn't so, that the truth? So it, l- reading Shakespeare is basically like trying to read a screenplay filled with archaic language. So you're just double right. double whamming yourself in that case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going through raw material that's got notes scattered all over the place and however many revisions, I mean, it gets complicated really fast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, as for this, it is Time Enough Podcast. If you want to support us, we're on Patreon at Podcastio, Podcastio, Podcastius, where we also talk about what are supposed to be really good films and really bad films about films and filth. And right now we're talking films all over the place, like again, because of, of the strike stuff. Uh, a Caught Disney is continuing, basically, because that's animated, where we get into the, the weird stories behind the mouse. Uh we're talking about Space 1999 with Podcast 1999. That's a that's a pretty nice. new one. Yeah, just just dropped the first episode, and uh, we got some gaming stuff. Uh, Luke loves Pokemon. It's about Pokemon. Hyrule Field Report about Zelda and the game game show where gamers game each other. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> say that ten times fast. Or, I think I might have. I think someone dared me, and I did. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hope you recorded that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I actually I'm going to go get on a train now and hopefully don't need to pull any of these. I, where do we have an emergency lever on the train? I don't think we have one. Yeah, but you should look for one just in case. Maybe I will today. Yeah. 